Welcome to the supporting cast. This is Eli Goldsmith. Today's guest is Jason Collins, who in 2014, when entering a game with the Brooklyn Nets, became the first openly gay active athlete in any of the four major team sports. In this episode, Jason talks about why the NBA is ahead of other sports in terms of advocacy and activism, how the language we use around LGBTQ plus issues can have far-ranging impact, and about the courage he summoned in 2013 to come out publicly in a Sports Illustrated cover story and the attention that followed. We talked Harvard Westlake and Stanford and Shaquille O'Neal and Kevin Garnett and about the support of his twin brother Jaron Collins and the extended Collins family. It was an inspiring hour with Jason, who remains a hero to many. This is The Supporting Cast. Jason Collins, welcome to The Supporting Cast. (laughs) Good to be here. Um, so first, I want to start with the present. Um, you are currently mm-hmm. um, retired from the NBA. Yes. <laughs> but you're still working with the, the NBA, NBA and yes. you're still um, a policy advocate as yes. well in your free time. <laughs> so so yes. tell me what you're up to now. So yeah, I am an NBA Cares ambassador. Um, NBA Cares is the philanthropic arm of the NBA. Um, it's, uh, some companies, what, and actually we do call it this, it's under the umbrella of social responsibility. Mm. So we use our platform to do good, you know, for, for social work. Um, we encourage our athletes in the WNBA and NBA to use their voice. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other leagues, which I will not name, uh-huh. <laughs> who, um, shy away from that, but yeah. we, we really, Take it head on. Um, you saw uh, a few years ago at the ESPYs, uh, it was LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Paul talking about a need for a, a dialogue in inner cities. Yeah. Um, and uh, the NBA has lifted them up mm-hmm. and created programs uh, around doing exactly that work called NBA Voices. Mm-hmm. Um we will go into every single city, um, every single market where we have a team. Mm-hmm. We will go and bring in local law enforcement and uh, some of the youth mm. and have them play basketball together. Um, and then also have them communicate with each other, talk about some of the issues that are going on mm-hmm. uh, in their cities. Um, so that's one example of how we um, uplift and empower our athletes um, when mm-hmm. they want to stand for something, we'll try to educate them yeah. if they want to uh, speak out on a topic. Why? I'm curious that the NBA seems to be more out front on this issue when the players are the least camouflaged when they're out on the court, right? You <laughs> think of mm. the NFL, which is a bigger sport mm-hmm. sort of uh, nationally than than the NBA, but people are wearing helmets, they're wearing masks. It's a lot easier to be anonymous. Mm-hmm. The NBA, you're out there in a tank top, <laughs> Yet people um, seem to be more free to express their opinions. Yeah, and I'm, I'm talking to him. Included the first uh, <laughs> openly gay athlete in the four major sports happened to be in the NBA. I think a lot of that comes from our, our leadership. Hmm. Um, it started with David Stern, yeah, um, the late great commis- uh, commissioner for, uh, of our league, who yeah. 
took our league in the 80s from where the NBA finals were on tape delay <laughs> yeah. to now uh, the you know multi-billion dollar sport that it is. Yeah. And uh, our current commissioner right now, Adam Silver, has taken what David Stern has given him and just you know, incredible and just done an incredible job. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I couldn't have done what I did without seeing the, um, that they started finding people for yeah. using homophobic. That was under David Stern and then under Adam Silver continuing that, um, you know, setting the tone kind of thing. And, and Adam, uh, to his credit has, um, there, he's, he's faced some, you know, tough decisions and mm -hmm. some, um, but I think we saw with the with the Sterling situation with the Clippers. Yeah, um, he seems to always get it right. Yeah, and that seemed like a pivotal moment. Yes, too. And it's, right? you know, it's big to tell uh, you know a, a billionaire that you know pack your bags and go kind yeah. of thing. Oh, um, yeah, when he's kind of your boss. Yeah, right? I mean, yes, the owners. Yeah, yeah the owners, yes, yes, are the, commission the commissioner's boss. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But um, he from from doing that to moving the All Star game mm. out of uh, North Carolina. Right. Uh, to New Orleans. Um, and that remind, was us, huge. remind us why that was. Done. Yeah. So um, North Carolina uh, passed those, um, you know, HB2, the bathroom bills um, mm. that were uh, homophobic mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and transphobic mm. um, uh, laws. It, they were, uh, it was open discrimination. Mm -hmm. And you saw from the business world some uh, Salesforce and uh, a few other companies pulled out of uh, conventions and doing business in North Carolina That's to try right. to put economic pressure on the state to do the right thing mm -hmm. as far as, you know, let people go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> From the sports world, I was very proud to see that the NBA was the first of the sports or the major one uh, in the sports world to move the game. And that was put huge economic pressure because North Carolina, they love their sports. They, they love, love their basketball. They love basketball in particular, yeah. yeah. Because it wasn't just – because when the NBA moved the game, then the NCAA, the NCAA, they also moved the uh, championships out ah. of North Carolina um, and, you know, basically said, you know, you have a year to, you know, get this right, uh, you know, make this right. And sometimes it takes economic pressure yeah. to affect policy. Right. Um you can try to sit down with someone and, and say, you know, this is, you know, the right thing. You, know, you should be doing, you know, this and that. But um, sometimes when you and when it hurts them financially, yeah. then all of a sudden they're like, oh, now I get it, kind of yeah. thing. And PR, yes, right, too, yes, right for particular politicians, probably. Yes, exactly. If you could, I, I'd love for you to take us back to 2013. Okay. Um, when you were kind of making the determination to first come out, I guess, first to your family, mm -hmm. and then come out publicly. Mm -hmm. Uh, what were the considerations you were making, the calculations you were making, and what finally led you to make decision after so many years of, of so the um, push for me out the out of the closet was yeah. um, the lockout of 2011. Mm -hmm. Before then, all the angst and all the weight of what I can, was dealing with, I had my outlet, which was basketball, my yeah, job. Some people, right. when they're going through you know, something very personal, emotional, stressful, they will, you know, find outlets for it. Yeah. Um, some people, it's their job, and that was from, that was mine. Um, I had basketball. But when I didn't have basketball, I was sort of forced to look at myself and, and say, okay, what happens when I don't have basketball? Yeah. I am um, absolutely miserable, too. And I hadn't, you know, been on a date. It's like one of those things. I remember when I 
told my brother that I was gay, and he was like, are you sure? This is your twin brother. Yeah, my, my twin Jaren. brother, Jaren. Yeah. Who, but he was like, are you sure you're gay? And I was like, yes. Are you sure you're straight? And then he was like, how do you know? And he was like, you know, you know, you know. <laughs> you just know right, kind right, of thing. Um, right. So, but I wanted to go out on a date. I wanted to be the person to out myself. I didn't want to, especially in this day and age when everybody has a cell phone and a camera. Um, yeah. I didn't want to go out on a date and someone takes a picture. So, and you be know, outed. Video, yeah, be outed. And then not to, on your own terms. Exactly. Yeah. So that was sort of the, the reason why the public announcement, as far as the, the private announcement, yeah, the, the lockout happened. Um, and I reached out to a friend of mine um, and then started coming out to more and more family members. I came out to my aunt. Yeah. Uh, who's, she was, a, who's a judge. Who is a judge. She Well, she's now a, a justice. <laughs> a justice, that's right. Yes. Yeah, she, in the Bay Area. In the correct. Bay Area, yeah. yeah. She's the first uh, African-American female uh, on the first, sor- first Circuit Court of Appeals. Wow. Yeah. Terry Jackson. Terry Jackson. Right. The yeah. honor- Honorable Terry Jackson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she was the first person that I came out to. Um, and then a few months went by and then ended up coming out to, obviously my, my parents, my, 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 my brother, his wife, some friends of mine from Stanford, some friends of mine from Harvard Westlake. So yeah, there was a, a, and I never had a a worry that it was going to get released or leaked because that's the type of friendships that I have, the kind of family members that I have just, you know, they have my back a hundred percent. So I... And then you know, I came out to, um, so I had a good support system. I yeah. had a, a good group of friends. I was playing for the Boston Celtics mm-hmm. um, in 2012, 2013. But then when I got traded, actually <laughs> with about an hour to go in the, before the trade deadline in February of 2013, I got traded from the Boston Celtics to the Washington Wizards. Mm-hmm. And that whole uprooting your life in less than 48 hours you usually have um 48 to 36 hours to report to the next city but you, you literally have to pack everything up yeah. in, in in a day and a, in a, basically a day and a half and then get to the next city and just getting uprooted um and going to a new job um and you know it's the same thing just like everybody when you go to a new job yeah you know people are like oh where are you from um do you have family are you married Mm -hmm. and blah 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 and i just got tired of lying um so i called my agent uh arn tellum and told him that uh we need to talk Hmm. um so i told him that i was gay and that i wanted to come out publicly and I didn't know how to do that. And mm. I assumed because Arn um, at that time was one of the biggest uh, sports agents. Um, oh, he yeah. at one point represented Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Um, some big names in the world of you know of sports. And I assumed that one of those players over the you know hundreds of clients that he's had had said you know i'm gay and what do i you know kind of thing. and he's like nope <laughs> yeah wow. so i was the first client and he was like wow okay so how are we going to do this kind yeah. of thing and he said you know give me some time to think about it um and he, he had to know it was a big deal yes yeah, yeah he knew it was a big deal and um he definitely you know he took his time and really thought you know came up with the plan hmm. for he was definitely the quarterback and sports illustrate cover and the whole thing yeah because he had a um the sports host, the writer, Franz Lids, um, Arne knew Franz since they were, I want to say in the sixth grade, maybe wow. even before then, fifth, fifth, sixth grade, um, from Philadelphia. Um, so those close, you know, relationships and he, 
you know, trusted fronds, uh, and in turn, I trusted fronds because Arn trusted fronds. Got it. But yeah, Arn uh, got back to me and said, okay, we're going to come out, you know, let's, let's do this after the season is over. Uh, because the whole goal was to come out publicly, but then also still play. Yeah, you want you were yes. a free agent right yes. at the time? Yeah, I yeah. was going to be a free agent. So I was playing for the Washington Wizards. Um, so in late February is when I went, uh, told Arn. Um, and then we came up with the with the plan, um, you know, late February to wait until the season. We had a, another six and a half weeks of the season to go. And um, so we waited, decided to wait. The, the tough thing, though, was in March – uh, that next month, that was when Doma and Prop 8 were being argued. Uh-huh. And it was very difficult. You know, here I am living in judiciary for all those people um, <laughs> who know the D.C. area. I was living in Judiciary Square, which is <laughs> two to three miles, if that, from um, the Supreme the Court. Supreme Court yeah. yeah. So I was like, here I am, this professional athlete playing for the Wizards, and I'm staying silent. And uh-huh. it, it killed me to stay silent, but yeah. it was like, okay, we made a plan to wait so let's stick to the plan kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I was so proud of people from the sports world, um, whether they were members of the, of the community or allies of the community who did speak up. Yeah. Right? So like a Billie Jean King and Martina Navratilova. Oh, yeah. And then also allies. Who's, who like, spoke up before you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, and Chris Cluey and Brendan Ayamadejo from the NFL. Yeah. They were, they were you know, great allies and still are great allies. And um so let me talk about Martina real quick. Martina Navratilova. So, Mar- yes. So she, and you're a tennis player. I am a tennis player. Tennis. I love tennis. Yeah. Um, but she's one of my idols. Yeah. And um, but I never publicly admitted that um, until after I came out because I didn't want people to ask, well, why? So your idols are Hakeem Olajuwon, Magic Johnson, and Martina Navratilova. <laughs> why is Martina? Navratilova? Yeah. And um, it was because she faced. So when I was growing up, that was who I was watching on TV in yeah. tennis. She was your role model. She in was sports. yes, and yeah. you know, and she came out publicly and still kicked butt. And she, you know, had to deal with so much BS yeah. <laughs> um, because she came forward, because she stepped forward and said, "This is who I am." And she was, you know, leading the march kind of thing. Yeah. And then before her, obviously Billie Jean King before yeah. her. Have you gotten to meet Martina yes, now? Yes, yeah, and become friends. It's so wow. weird. Like um, I had a conversation with Martina, gosh, a few months ago. And um, I, she's the one person, like I can have a conversation with a lot of superstars. Oh, my. You were just at the Kobe. <laughs> uh, yes, I was a Kobe memorial. memorial. But like, uh, yeah, I can have a conversation with a lot of people and just be, you know, chill. And like, you know, okay, you're so-and-so. And yeah. Cool. But for some reason, Martina is the seems to be the one person who I get like tongue tied around. Wow! And it's I think it just goes back to being the kid still looking at her, and she's like, "No, no, no, we're friends now." <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. idol. <laughs> like, it was so cute. But yeah, she's yeah. she's amazing, and I love how vocal she uses her platform, uh, especially on Twitter. She's amazing. She uses her platform for good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to get kind of back to this. Yeah. You were back at, yeah. in the NBA and and your career in the NBA, but mm. I want to go back to the beginning mm. first. Okay. So where did you grow up in LA? Where were you born and what yeah, kind of LA? Um, born in, you know, Northridge Hospital. Okay. <laughs> um, grew up for the most part in um, northern San Fernando Valley. Okay. And are you technically older than Jaron or is Jaron technically? eight minutes older. Eight minutes older yeah, than eight Jaren. Minutes, Yes, eight minutes older. And I, I definitely felt like the bigger brother also because I was just... Yes, we're twins, and I think we're identical. We don't know for yeah. sure. Um, but I was always naturally just a little bit bigger, like a bigger frame. Mm-hmm. So I always felt like I was the bigger brother. Hmm. And um, 
and had to like sort of protect him kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was so weird. But, yeah. But um, I will say that that role reversed when I, you know, came out and then sort of he became like the protector and had to huh. uh, speak up for me kind of thing. And, and what did, he felt that. What yeah. did that mean to you? It's incredible to see uh, the support of your sibling. I think um, folks now can see it with uh, the Wade family, with uh, Dwayne Wade. Sure, and he has a son who's uh, transgender or a daughter? He has a daughter. Daughter who's yeah, transgender. He has a daughter, me. yeah. He has a, a transgender daughter, um, and uh, his daughter, uh, Zaya, uh, her brother, um, put out a great Instagram just words of support, uh, just having that support of your sibling, yeah, um, and your parents, and you know, and your family. But it, um, there's something special about the, the sibling bond, yeah. Um, but yeah, Jaron has been has become he's a, 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 a huge ally, and yeah. um, but it's been really cool to see. Yeah. yeah. So you grew up in Northridge. Grew up in North. Uh, well, grew up in or, yeah uh, Granada Hills. Granada Hills, right? Yeah, grew up in Granada Hills. Uh, um, went to Sierra Canyon. Uh, at that time, Sierra Canyon did not have a high school. Got uh, it. It was uh, stopped at sixth grade. So after sixth grade, we went to... Because now they have a pretty good basketball program. <laughs> yeah, speaking of uh, the Wade family the, and... the uh, James family. And the James, and the, yeah. They yeah. got some players over yeah. there. But for high school then, how did you make yeah. your way to Harvard-Westlake? So we were at uh, Montclair Prep, mm-hmm. you know, playing basketball there. And Montclair Prep was... Don't get me wrong. It's a, it was a great school. It's no longer a school. They <laughs> closed up shop. But... Yeah. Um, it was a great school, but it was just in a kind of rougher area. Mm-hmm. And um, our parents' uh, education has always been um, extremely important to our parents. Yeah. Obviously, going to Sierra Canyon to Montclair Prep, and they said, "Okay, there's an opportunity for you guys to go to uh, Harvard Westlake. You know, we got to do the application process. Obviously, do the you know do all that, and you know, let's let's do it. And it, like." Obviously, being young kids, um, my brother, we were uh, very uh, hesitant to, to really change. You know, obviously, people. Leave your friends. Yes, yeah, you, you have a support system and all that. And, you know, your friends at Marketer Prep. But our grandmother, my mom's mom, who's the matriarch of our family, who was the matriarch of our family, she was like, no, you're going to, if you have an opportunity to go to Harvard Westlake, you're going to do what you need to do to go to Harvard Westlake kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, and the, the biggest thing though was, uh, when we got accepted and got in was driving the commute from Granada Hills <laughs> to here. Um, it, you know, going on the 405, I'm sure anybody knows 405 rush hour traffic. Like we are in yep. all of that. Yep. And so sometimes we would take the bus um, to get here. Sometimes our parents uh, who worked insurance um, would be able to drive us. But a lot of times we would, you know, either carpool mm-hmm. or, you know, take the bus here. Our first car was a, a Ford Tempo. And mm-hmm. mind you, we were probably six, nine <laughs> at the time. And we were too big to sit, uh, you know, with the driver and one in the passenger seat. So one of us, you know, whoever was, wasn't was driving had to sit in the back. We would push the That's passenger hilarious. seat way up. And, you know, it, it reminds – to anybody who wants to check out a funny movie, 
Check out Police Academy, classic movie, but there's a, a character, Bubba. What's that guy? Bubba. Bubba Smith. Uh, Hightower. Oh, Hightower. Yeah, yeah Hightower. Yeah, 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 Bubba Smith is a, is a real guy, but yeah, Hightower is a character. Yeah. He, he like rips the front seat chair out of the car, and that's almost what we had to do in order to get into, in the, Ford tempo. into the Ford Tempo. Yeah. I don't even think that Ford makes that car anymore. <laughs> the Ford <laughs> Tempo. I don't know, but uh, yeah. it's so crazy. Like, even now when I'm driving on Mulholland, like, I'll still have flashbacks to, you know, being on the bus. High and, kid, yeah. 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 I learned I had to sit on the front of the bus because otherwise, um, at the back of the bus, I get motion sickness. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, I learned. I was like, yeah, I got to sit in the front of the bus kind of thing. And so you were playing basketball and yeah. going to school at Harvard-Westlake. Mm-hmm. Were there uh, teachers or coaches who were particularly influential while you were Oh, wow. Um, well, I loved all of I mean, all of the athletic coaches were amazing. I remember taking – so this is just, you know, Harvard Westlake, different world. It was an yeah. adjustment. Even though we went to great elementary school, it was a great junior high school, um, it was still an adjustment coming coming here yeah. uh, that freshman year. Like, I got pretty much straight A's up until I came here. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so it was, it was definitely an adjustment uh, in, in, like, having to go to office hours and ask for help. Yeah. And that's a, an important life lesson that I learned was yeah. – you know, swallow the pride and <laughs> go ask for help. Because yeah. I think, and, and I see that now uh, in some of the, um, you know, I'll teach basketball clinics and this and that. Yeah. And yes, I'll, you know, teach. But then as a teacher, you're always looking for that student who will take the first step and say, hey, can I get extra help? Yeah. And of course the teacher's like, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. And that's what it was. It was like the, my, and I remember it was uh, geometry, uh, mm-hmm. ninth grade. Yeah, I got a bad grade on a test, and I was mm-hmm. like, "What is this?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and went to office hours, and um, and I can't remember her name, but I just remember that she helped me. Yeah, and um, that lesson that I learned of you know ask for help, don't be don't be afraid to ask for help, kind of thing. Yeah, and then the, my coach, I just remember taking also a, a gymnastics class. Here. Really? Yes. <laughs> and um, six foot like nine. PE, yeah. Jason Collins. And having an appreciation for, um, we did the uneven bars uh. and it and the balance beam. And it's just, you know, the facilities here obviously are, you know, amazing and state of the art. And, you know, they were back then too. And um, so that was fun. Um, we did fencing, mm. never did that. So never, you know, gymnastics and fencing, stuff that was, you know, just, but it, it actually all helped in basketball because mm-hmm. um, I actually highly encourage athletes not to specialize uh, at yeah. an early age yeah. and just, you know, try different stuff because the movement will help you. I remember fencing just the, the you know, the, the footwork of going up and back and, yeah. and <laughs> the balance, <laughs> the balance bar. Yeah. You got to be on balance. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. Yeah, um, but then also I remember Mr. Uh, Sasaki and, um, taking photography hmm. and this is back in the day when you actually had a dark room yeah and of course those, the smells on your fingers from the um dipping the paper and all that yeah. stuff and now it's all you know digital <laughs> sure but um and what uh, about on basketball court on the basketball court yeah we were kicking butt yeah. <laughs> um uh until so our freshman year we lost i want to say in either i think the semifinals of uh, the southern section we lost to a guy named jeremy veal who went on to play at Arizona State, 
Um, but it was a great learning lesson. Um, teammates, though, you know, still in touch with some of the guys uh, yeah. who are, you know, my teammates. And some people know your yeah. backup center. Yes, Jason point. Siegel. Jason Siegel. That guy. So a lot of people don't realize he was super athletic. Yeah. And um, he could, you know, he, he had all the dunks. and uh, <laughs> He could dunk in high school. He could dunk in wow. high school. And, and he knew how to entertain, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. Actor. Um, but you know, getting to know, because sometimes we would, you know, go over to his house and he's just, he's super talented guy. He taught himself, um, at least he told us, he taught himself how to play the piano kind uh, of thing. Like huh. just a really, you know, brilliantly smart guy, super funny yeah. and, uh, and yeah, athletic. Now there was an instance when, um, I, I didn't, uh, handle being bullied well. Uh. I didn't like that. And not that I was bullied. We weren't bullied, but we were just, I didn't like being the, I didn't like the, butt of, like, jokes. the butt of jokes. Yeah. yeah. So there was one time when um, he stepped out of line <laughs> and uh, I, I I corrected the situation. Wow. Um, he probably never stepped out of line. No, yeah. he didn't step out of line again. Yeah. Yeah. It was just one little, one yeah. little shot to it. Yeah. We're there. And, and at this point, you know, yeah. you're gay yeah. when you're in school here. Yeah. What was the? I mean, it was the mid '90s, so I think it was a different time. Yes, I'm a few. I'm a few years younger than you, but I remember that time in the mid '90s, and it there was language used very freely. I know in my junior high and high school, and yes. people did not understand the impact. Yes. of of those words. What was the? So I kept like telling here? myself that I wasn't gay. I kept telling myself that you were in denial. Of it. Yes, I was in full on denial. Um, I describe it as. You know, knowing that the sky is blue, but you just keep telling yourself, "No, it's red." Yep, it's beautiful red sky today. Beautiful red sky, yeah. and you just, you just keep living the lie and just, you know, in, in denial. And it was just, um, it was frustrating. Yeah. Um, that being said, I tried to be friends with um, not just you know the the athletes. Yeah. Try to be friends with just about everyone. I remember especially towards my, my junior and senior year, hanging out. And, um, but we would all hang out in Mr. Sal's office. Mm-hmm. And it was like a hodgepodge of, of folks, theater kids to, yeah. how do we call them? Super nerds. Yes, <laughs> I, <mean>, okay. <laughs> I think we're all nerds. It's like, uh, especially uh, you know going to Stanford, like I really embrace being a nerd. Yeah. I love being a nerd. Yeah. Um, but like there's, there's definitely like the super nerds. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was like we were all hanging out. And I think part of me uh, gravitated to that crowd because there was no judgment. There was uh-huh. like no, like you didn't have to fake who you are. And like, not that I was faking, but I was just like, these were the kids who were big into women's studies class. And yeah, um, yeah and my, my favorite teacher at Harvard Westlake, um, she um, passed in uh, October, um, Joni Parker, yeah. um, Mrs. Parker. And because there wasn't an, like a, um, an LGBTQ studies class sure but there was a women's studies class yeah and joni was the and joni was yeah the, the she's, leader yes that. she's definitely leading the leading the parade yeah um but she would mix in some lgbtq history in some uh, of her teaching plans which huh. i i really appreciate and love uh walt whitman poet some poets who were nonconformists, and hmm. and um, you were able to see the symmetry in these struggles yes and just how um the um, Emily Dickinson um, has a um, a poem. What is it? Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. And it's basically, 
if you tell the truth in a way, sometimes it can um, dazzle someone. It could be just too bright of a light, but you tell it in a way that as you would sort of explain thunder to a child, I think that's, or actually, I think that is a line, so either thunder or lightning, how you would explain it to a child is that you don't necessarily, you don't lie to them, but you just mm. explain it in a way that people can take it all in yeah. without being overwhelmed by the truth. And mm. I remember, I, I just, I really loved that poem about um, tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Um, but yeah, it, there's just... And did you take that to heart? I did. In terms I of did. telling your own truth? Yeah, yeah. You, you sort of, um, when I did, yeah, t- when I did finally get the strength to yeah. uh, to speak my truth, yeah, I did it in a way that I think people can relate to. Yeah. Um, um, and I, I give a lot of that credit to, um, well, to Arn for Arn Tellum for coming up with the plan, but then also my my parents, my teachers here at Harvard Westlake, yeah. uh, and in particular, you know, Joni Parker. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so, and then also um, we were in uh, a play, a school play. Oh. We weren't just athletes. We were, um, <laughs> yeah, what do you call us? Actors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, it's so funny because I recently saw um, Jake Gyllenhaal at, uh-huh. uh, what do you call it? A pre-Oscar party. Oh, okay. And we saw each other and I was like, hey, Jake, do you remember? He's like, yo, we were in the same play. We were in... Uh, we were in a play with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, okay, and, wow. Yes, and he's so gone thespians on. Thespians as well. Yes, as thespians. Yes, yes, and he's <laughs> gone on to do a few good things. Yeah, he he's amazing. He absolutely has. amazing. He yeah. So then you get recruited to Stanford. Yeah, we um, we received our first recruiting letter when we were in the eighth grade. Oh my gosh! And that was a little weird <laughs> um, I bet. to be, um, but. Yeah, and then we were, you know, constantly recruited. We ultimately came down our top three: uh, Arizona, uh, UCLA, and Stanford. Hmm. Uh, chose Stanford because it had the best combination of the academics, the athletics, the social life, mm-hmm. and it was close to um, my mom's uh, parents, mm-hmm. uh, my, my grandparents, and my aunt. Mm-hmm. So you got, you know, we were away from home, but we could still get a home-cooked meal if we wanted to. We yeah. could go up to our aunts and do some laundry, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and what was your Stanford experience like? Did you love, you're wearing a, you're wearing a Stanford <laughs> yes, t-shirt. I obviously love Stanford because I'm wearing a Stanford t-shirt right now. <laughs> but um, my first two years actually were very challenging. Mm. I got hurt. Mm. Um, so here we are. My brother, we're McDonald's All-American, which is the highest honor that you can be for high school basketball player. Yeah. Prayed All-Americans, you know. Have you know? So we won two state championships uh, here at Harvard Westlake, at, yes, which I should have mentioned. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no worries. Um, you know, we had all of these. You know, only lost one game our high school, our senior year in high school. Only wow. lost once, wow. and that was to Tracy McGrady's uh, team, and we lost by four points. Wow. Um, so I had all of this hype going into uh, freshman year. And ended up banging knees against a guy named Mark Madsen, who oh yeah is, played for the Lakers. Uh, yes, Lakers, point, right? and now is a head coach uh, in um, uh, in Utah for a, a college in Utah. Hmm. Uh, he was also um, assistant coach for the Lakers, but I uh, ended up having two knee surgeries my freshman Oof. year. Oof. Freshman year is gone. Uh, come back, works you know, work my butt off, ready for my sophomore year. Okay, like now I'm gonna because um, I'm I'm looking around I'm seeing other guys uh, my contemporaries like Baron Davis doing you know well and, oh yeah uh, my sophomore year probably 
not even 10 games into the season, probably eight games, eight, six to eight games into the season. Uh, we're playing at a tournament in Washington, D.C., and I go up to dunk, and this little point guard took my legs out from under me. I put my hand down to brace my fall, end up dislocating my wrist. Ugh. And it was one of those things where um, after the game, I go to the ER. You know, I, I, you know, the game is over. I go to the back. They do some x-rays. They're like, mm. <laughs> let's take you to the hospital. They do some more x-rays. And it's never good to be that one person in the ER who the doctor, you know, looks at looks at the X-ray, looks back at you, and says, "I'll be right back," uh, and then goes to get every other like doctor. Yes. And- well, all the because you know it's a teaching hospital, um, and they get all the you know the young the newbies in there, and they're like, "Hey, look at this! You won't see this. Yeah. <laughs> this is a." Uh, so I had uh, for all the the doctors out there, I had a perilunate dislocation mm. of uh, my right wrist. Which means there are um, there, are, what is it? I think there are eight bones in your wrist, mm. and uh, seven of mine moved out of position. Oh no! The lunate was the only one that's, that held strong. <laughs> um, so you couldn't shoot a basketball. I could not shoot sure. a basketball. I was, and you can see the scars here. Oh yeah. Um, yep. So I had they opened me up here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they put in a, a plate. And then they put in two pins this way and then two pins this Got way. It. He's pointing to his wrist, everybody. <laughs> yes. Um, just, yeah, it looks like a Frankenstein thing. And then they also gave me a carpal tunnel release as well down here. Oh, um, wow. So that was a six-month uh, rehabilitation. Um, when I got back out onto the court, cleared to, you know, do everything, I stood right underneath the basket, like from here to where the light is, which is, mm-hmm. what, five feet away, not even five feet away. And I tried to shoot a basket, a, a ball up to the rim, and I didn't have enough strength to get the ball up to the rim. Wow. And I was like, oh, shh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I even shoot a basketball anymore? Yeah. And my wrist wouldn't go back. In order to make sure that the, it, it healed properly, they left me in the in the cast uh, a really long time. Mm. Um to the point where I actually lost mobility, flexibility in my wrist. Like my wrist doesn't go backwards like this one does like this. And this is my shooting hand. So I had to relearn how to shoot a basketball. basketball. And that was extremely difficult. You know, thankfully I was so close to family, um, you know, talking with my parents and then also all that other extended family that I was talking about. And then, um, how did you cope? My, well, my, my my parents, so it was, it was, it's always been, you know, family first kind of thing yeah. uh, with us. Um, and then also that's why we were at Stanford because we knew that eventually like, you know, if, you know, our dream since we were little kids, little boys was to play in the NBA, but, you know, you have to have that backup plan. And, yeah. Um, Stanford's so a pretty the, good Pretty good one. Education, yeah, that's a pretty good diploma. To, regardless yeah, of throw basketball. Yeah, throw it on the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a lot of hard work. and I, But – it's actually interesting. It's like when you get lemons, you make lemonade kind of thing yeah. where I actually became a better shooter after my surgery than I was before. Because you kind of had to because retrain I had to do, yourself yeah, I to had do to, it? I had to bust my butt to learn how to shoot a basketball again. Huh. I had to get totally different form, um, technique, the whole – I mean just everything. And, um, and the whole time, you know, you're lifting weights, you're, you know, you're staying strong. Mm-hmm. Um it was a lot of hard work. So I basically only played two years of college basketball. Just junior and senior year. My junior and senior year. But they were pretty good years. You yeah. you, you guys were both All-Americans? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, our senior year, yes. Yes. Um, and then Jaron was a Wooden Award finalist. 
I won the uh, Pete Newell Big Man of the Year um, award wow. my, my, my senior year. So that was a pretty cool honor to win. I actually started shooting threes my senior year wow. because, you know, my junior year, I was like, okay, I'm working my way back into this. I'm going to, you know, get my rhythm. It, it took me... It took me that whole season to have confidence that I wasn't going to get hurt. Yeah, I bet. When you have major injuries, two, like especially back to back. Them. Yes. Yeah. You have in that back of your mind, which is why when I see athletes coming back from injury, it, it, it takes them the mental hurdle of, am I going to move? Am I going to fall? Am I going to get hurt again? Kind yeah. of thing. So, but it took me about a, a year to get that out of my head. And so then you get... You both get drafted to the NBA. Yes, both get drafted. Yeah, yeah, in the first round. Yes. 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 And then, well, no, I got drafted in the first round. Jaron got drafted in the second round. That's right, second so round. So I was the 18th pick, and then we had to wait around, geez, we had to wait probably an hour and a half, two hours yeah. before Jaron got drafted, and he was drafted 53rd pick. Okay, got it. Um, first round differences, first round draft picks have guaranteed contracts. Uh, second round draft pick, no guarantee. Mm. Um that you'll make the team. So um, my brother had to work his butt off. And it's another one of those things of, you know, you know, God has a plan for us all kind of thing. And um, he learned so much from Jerry Sloan, Coach Sloan. Of the Utah Jazz. Of Utah Jazz. Uh, Jaron ended up being playing for Utah and having Coach Sloan for uh, eight years. Yeah, he had a long career yeah, despite a second round. Pick, yes, right? it's, it's hilarious when you're looking at like all-time statistics on Utah Jazz. You'll have like Carl Malone, John Stockton, maybe Hornacek, and then like Jaron Collins. Wow. <laughs> you're like, wait, how the heck? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, he, he, uh, he ended up, you know, loving his time in, in Utah. Yeah. Um, and he learned so much from Coach Sloan about um, professionalism and how to be a good coach mm. that now I see way, a lot of Jerry Sloan yeah. in my brother's And for coaching. those who don't know, Jaron Collins is an assistant coach with the Golden State Warriors, yes. has won multiple three three NBA championships yes. as part of that yeah. coaching staff. Yeah. So and clearly it, he learned yeah. a lot. And he just he's he's played for some amazing coaches. Um, yeah. When we were, you know, first in the NBA uh, we were talking about our point guards. Um, mm -hmm. He was playing with John Stockton. I was playing with Jason Kidd. With the New Jersey Nets yes. at that point. Yeah. Yep. And we're both playing with Hall of Fame point guards. Yeah. And, um, and like saying, okay, my point guard's better than your point guard. Kind <laughs> of thing. And they're both pretty good. They're both in the Hall of Fame. So they're, yeah. Yeah, um, and, you know, just we made it to the finals uh, my first year, mm -hmm. first and second year. Lost to the Lakers, uh, Shaq and Kobe. That's right. Pretty dynamic duo. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> um, and then lost to um, Tim Duncan, David Robinson's last year. Ah. For the kids at home who don't know, you just YouTube David Robinson. He's <laughs> he's pretty good. He's yeah, the <laughs> yeah, that guy. The admiral. The admiral. That yeah. guy. And a lot of people always sleep. I feel like people don't give him enough because he is a heck of a. A heck of a player. The guy yeah. was just, you know, because because he was in the era of Hakeem Olajuwon and Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, he was sort of like the third wheel. But it's like that third level is still better than I, I would say just about every single center in the league right now. Yeah. Well, that's a good question. Who's the best player you've Who's the best player you've, you've played against, hmm. and then who you've actually had to guard? Who's Who's the most impossible to guard? Well, I've played against played? you know all the you know legends. Um, uh, as far as like you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, obviously. Yeah. But the the hardest and um, the best 
person that I played against outside. I mean, I I just put Shaq in a different category huh. because, because of his size. And because of his power. size, and like those other guys, they can you know they can score on you, they can go around you, yeah, they can try to dunk on you, you can mm-hmm. foul them, mm-hmm. you know. That, you so took that a lot of fouls have, in your day. I def I led the league in fouls one season. <laughs> I was definitely the, the guy. You know, I, I I you know was taught a lesson. Um, when, as the big guy, as the center power forward, when the uh, opponent is driving in the lane, it's either got to be a block shot, a foul, or a charge. Mm-hmm. And as I got older in my career, blocking shot was it wasn't going to be the block shot, so yeah. it's either going to be a charge or, or a foul. foul. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but those other guys, you know, you can foul them, and you know, you, they can embarrass. You know, you know, they're incredible. But Shaq. You 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 could try to foul him, but it wouldn't matter. Didn't he was matter. still gonna go up and through and, and dunk on you, and yeah. you're um you're gonna have a bunch of text messages and missed calls from people saying, "Are are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I saw what happened." <laughs> um, and then also Shaq, like he had a you know he had a, he had a mean side. Mm. And surprising, he seems so oh, jovial. Well, and... you, you just okay. YouTube, you know what he did to Greg Greg Ostertag. Okay. <laughs> there are some guys that like he just did not like. Just, and, like you yeah. just you never wanted to rattle the cage because no. if he did, like he would, you know, he would take an offensive foul and just like I'm going through your chest or through your your jaw, <laughs> like with this with this big meat cleaver of a like yeah. upper arm elbow. Yeah. And he would try to physically dominate you. So yeah. the the other guys are, you know, they're they're great players, you know, obviously just but Shaq would try to hurt you at times yeah. kind of thing. Right. Like you know that after a game against Shaq, you know, get the ice bath, get the buckets, get the ice. I'm going to need you know, I'm going to need, you know, to something extra, yeah, something extra you know, so you can get yeah. the Aleve, the Advil, something. Because <laughs> um, he's going to try to punish you. And I just remember um, playing against him my rookie year. We had a guy on our team, uh, Aaron Williams, great teammate. But he was one of the strongest uh, teammates I've ever played with. Uh, he, in the weight room, would warm up with 225 on the rack. Oof. Like, for those who know on the bench press, like that's usually what, you know, that's what the combine, what they, yeah. but that's what he was warming up with. Wow. <laughs> like strong guy. And I remember in the finals, uh, Sha- uh, Aaron was guarding Shaq and Shaq gave him a pump fake and Aaron jumped and then like ended up like jumping on his back and like landing on his back. And it, I kid you not, it looked like a little kid, like a, how like sometimes like a little kid will like hang on like a, a an adult's back kind yeah. of thing. And I'm like, this is the biggest, strongest guy on, on our team. And he looks like a little kid out yeah, there, right. like hanging a on this fly man. You need to swallow. Yeah, yeah. They're hanging on the shock's back. Like, this is, uh, <laughs> we're the problem. <laughs> um, well, you mentioned, yeah. so you mentioned Aaron Williams is a great teammate. I'm yeah. curious, you played for how many teams uh, during your career? Six. Wait, five. Wait, let's, let's count them. Yeah. Okay, New Jersey Nets. Memphis Grizzlies, Minnesota Timberwolves, Atlanta Hawks, Boston Celtics, Washington Wizards, and then, and then back Brooklyn. In the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, so six different teams. Uh, well, six different franchises. Right, because the Nets yes. became. Yeah, yeah. I started my career, and yeah, and then ended my career with, with the, the Nets. Nets. Yeah. Were there teammates or coaches you had during that time who I imagine? You mentioned some of the coarse language that's mm-hmm. used by players and that mm-hmm. one of your jobs is to talk to rookies about how to not use that language and why it's so important not to use that language. Oh. I imagine during the course of your career, you heard some players use that kind of language. Oh, yeah. But were there, I guess to flip it to a positive, were there 
teammates you played with or coaches you played for who led you to believe that when you did finally come out, that there might be yeah. a, a welcoming presence in the NBA for you? Thank and, you for asking that question. Sure, yeah, because yeah. yeah, a lot of people tend to go with the negative, yeah. which which yeah is is there, but um, for the positive, yes. Um, the, uh, Doc Rivers. Hmm. I saw that when I was playing with the Celtics that Doc did an interview for, I believe the magazine is Boston Spirit magazine maybe or hmm. or probably but it's an LGBTQ magazine in the sports world but and he did that interview like he hmm. didn't have to take that interview no right um and after reading that I was like okay like if I were to come out I think that Doc would have my back. And if support you played me. for Doc Rivers, he yes. would support you. Yeah. yeah, which I I was playing. I actually was playing for him. He didn't he didn't realize that he actually did have a closeted player on his team when he did. Oh when God, because yeah. he was the coach of the Celtics. Yeah, was, the yeah he was the coach of the Celtics. Yeah. yeah. So um, when I saw him do that, I, I, I and he was in that article. He was talking about uh, John Amici, another player of his. Who had come uh, who out came, after? Well, he came he retired, out. Right? Uh, yeah, he came out after he retired, and I want to say he came not out not after you, but after he retired. Yeah, and that was probably in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, mm-hmm. I think maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember when he did come out. Uh, he came out in Sports Illustrated as well, uh, being on the team plane, and it, we were taking a flight from. I think it was from Jersey to Atlanta, and hearing some of the guys and some of um there was a guy who used to do the play-by-play uh for our um for our team who mm-hmm. um and i just remember hearing some of the comments that they made and uh. how homophobic they were and just absolutely like i i wish that i could have walked off the plane kind of thing like just to take myself from that situation yeah. kind of thing but obviously just you know, sit, try to be quiet, try not to have the conversation, you know, turn your way kind of thing and just, um, you know, just focus on the card game or whatever you yeah. know, you're doing. Well, but. that's another reason why not mm. why not to use that language is you never know who's listening yes. and what they're going through and, yeah. and who they might yeah. be. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I tell that to the guys now. It's like, with you know, it could be your teammate, it could be a member of the training staff who happens to be walking through the locker room or yeah. a strength coach. Um or they could have those individuals could have family members who are members of the LGBTQ community, and here you are talking about, you know, their their son or something, you know, uh, or their. So it, it just you never know who's in the room yeah. and who's listening, kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I just remember when we got to Atlanta that I was like, and now again, I was still in that mind of okay, I'm I'm, I'm straight, like the the sky is still red. I'm I'm, I'm gonna, and I remember going getting in and going straight to a strip club and like going like okay uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna have a good time in this, this strip club conversion therapy yes yeah 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 yeah, do, <laughs> yeah yeah have strippers and all and i just remember <laughs> thinking to myself the, the strip club it was uh for those who i'll get specific cheetahs <laughs> in atlanta and they actually had by the way of, we did not intend to talk this, about cheetahs ever yeah, on the supporting yeah, cast yeah, but no, yeah. this is an exception but they have the best chicken tenders <laughs> in all of Atlanta <laughs> so the whole time I'm there to like spend money on on the women I'm thinking damn these chicken tenders are good and I just focus on the chicken tenders and so I ended up having I a think, good time I think the sky was just, blue yeah yeah uh, yeah, Jason, yeah, yeah yeah so I ended up yeah I, <laughs> I, I, I had a good time by eating That's chicken tenders in the strip club hilarious. <laughs> like, but it was like 
It was like, oh, dear God. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is, oh, God. That's oh, dear God. Hilarious. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. <laughs> but I did, yeah. So Doc Rivers was uh, someone who I thought um, would be supportive. There are, are a few other guys. Um, and then I had some uh, some great surprises. I, speaking of Kobe Bryant earlier, when I came out, um, Kobe, you know, s- sent out a great tweet of support. Yeah. Um, and that was great to see. Steve Nash as well. Um, I mean, not only uh, yeah. Barack Obama, the President Obama yes, at the time, yeah. Michelle Obama. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, yeah, they reached out. President yeah. Clinton, who you kn- know from, yes. from knowing Chelsea at Stanford. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, the whole, I, I guess we can go back to that mm-hmm. moment now is when you're on the cover of Sports Illustrated, you're mm-hmm. the, the first story in every news program that day mm-hmm. and um the entire world seems to be publicly embracing i imagine there are people that weren't but mm-hmm. most people at mm-hmm. least publicly were embracing you how yeah. did that feel in that moment to yeah. be jason collins um just a little bit overwhelming um to get back-to-back calls from oprah winfrey and president obama yeah that's, <laughs> that's like wait, what, what what reality is this <laughs> um so that was that was a, that was an incredible day, incredible feeling. Yeah, the president uh, President Obama uh, saying to me that uh, my actions today will have a positive impact that I might not ever meet in my life on someone that I might not ever meet in my lifetime. Sure, it was a really cool feel. I never you know put it in that perspective. I was more, I was more thinking uh, along the lines of you know controlling my story, controlling mm-hmm. how I you know step forward, mm-hmm. uh, doing with you know dignity and trying mm-hmm. to explain. But you didn't think about what you can't the control, bigger pic- yeah. which is the ripple effect. Exactly. Of it all. Yeah, and the bigger picture yeah. of you know how this is going to impact you know someone else kind of thing, and then to see the reaction, to hear the stories. You know, people still come up to me to this day and say how my story impacted them and yeah. helped them in some way. And I think that's the power. And we saw it with um, Ellen DeGeneres, um, people sure. who have a platform in either entertainment, sports, politics. You know, what if you have some sort of platform? And you step forward and speak your truth, um, you can have a, a huge impact on our society. Oh yeah, I want to ask you about something. There, one, I think it was your first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were playing the Lakers, yes. is that right? Yes. You got knocked down okay. at one point during the game. I don't know if you remember this, but yeah. it was you get knocked down during the game, and three of your teammates come, come rushing over. over. I do remember to that. pick you up, and yeah. it's this happens ten times a game yeah. normally, but. <clears throat> The commentator during during the time, and you can go YouTube it at home if you're curious, commented that how would Jason Collins' teammates embrace mm. him after coming out and joining the Nets? And it was this moment of that your teammates yeah. have your back. And, and it wasn't just the – yes, that was huge because mm-hmm. um, uh, Darren Williams um, – who was my teammate uh, with the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, he was one of the guys that I came out to before it all, you know, uh-huh. came public. Uh-huh. Uh, he um, was a good friend of my brother's. Um, we even went on uh, golfing trips with my brother, yeah. him, and a couple other buddies. So that was really cool. Having I also had um, I was also teammates with Joe Johnson before in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the guys either I was a teammate with before or my brother was a teammate with yeah. before. In fact, one just, of them who picked you up was Andre Kirilenko. Yeah, who's a Harvard West like dad. Yeah, yeah. So how cool yeah. is that? Yeah, yeah. AK. He's, AK he's forty seven. Yeah, yeah. That was his nickname. That's an awesome nickname. He's such a a, a good guy. Him and his wife. I just yeah. I, Mosh, you know yeah. yeah I can't you know say enough good things about them. And then, so it was my teammates who had my back and, you know, literally helping me up. Um, yeah. But then also my opponents. Um, mm. 
there was only one person in the NBA who said something inappropriate to me. Hmm. Everybody else treated me with respect, and it it started even with that game. It, it's just, this has got to be the first time ever that uh, a ten. So I, I, on that day, I got signed. It was a it was a Sunday, and my teammates wanted me to be one of the captains <laughs> and go to uh, before every game. The captains of the team go to half court, shake hands with sure. the other captains, yep. and then. You know, the point guard, usually it'll be a guard will just, you know, say, okay, this one is it going to be the game ball and mm-hmm. then talk to the refs and then mm-hmm. that's it. But they wanted me as so as a 10 day contract, right. <laughs> I go to half court because um, my teammates wanted me <laughs> to be one of the captains. So that was another wow. um, sign that's very of, cool. of respect. And very just cool. sure enough, on the other side, it was Pau Gasol and Kobe Bryant. Ah. And just. Those guys making me feel welcome. So like my, they just made me feel like one of the guys. Yeah. And even though you know opponents, I, I think Kobe was hurt. So he actually, I don't think he actually played in the game, but he just, you know, shook hands and did you know the respect mm-hmm. thing. And that was um, that was huge. Um, there was one teammate of mine, Kevin Garnett, can get into the NBA Hall of Fame on trash talking alone. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone uh, his skill and talent, um, he will be going into the uh, Hall of Fame this summer. We were teammates in Boston, and he was one of those guys who used words that he taught. It was learned, you know, that he learned as a young man, like use these words to yeah. attack someone. Yep. So I was very hesitant about what it was going to be like, because um, then now he's with the Nets. About like, okay, what kind of teammate? Because I've heard him use this language. Mm. Like, is it? And it, it goes back to to show you that some a lot of guys sometimes don't understand the impact of the words that yeah. they're saying. It's the power of education. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And when he pulled me aside um, a couple of days being back with the Nets, um, we were on a, a team plane and said, Jason, I'm glad you're back in the NBA. I'm glad you're my teammate. Um, this is going to be huge for society. This is going to be big. And wow. just For him to go out of his way and say that to me yeah. was – it really made me relax because – Kevin is he's intimidating. Ma- well, he's, no, he, well, yes, he can be. He can be intimidating <laughs> to some people, but he is a leader. Yeah, he walk into whatever room he walks into. He could walk into U.S. Congress. He will be a leader. Yeah, uh, and so for him to say that, basically, I'm cool. That yeah. I'm that I'm that like you know this is you know welcome and like so I know that I have Kevin Garnett's back, which means. <laughs> I have everybody's back because nobody's going against Kevin Garnett. Like this is he's one of those guys like I I I honestly want him to run for Congress <laughs> because you cannot win an argument against him. Mm. I appreciate um you know him saying you know those words of you know and and sort of validating and just you know accepting me kind yeah. of yeah. So I want to finish up with a few okay. get to know you quick get to know you questions. Okay. And then we can we can get out of here. All but right. Uh, first, we're asking kind of three standard questions. Okay. Uh, they relate to LA. We're known for movies. We're known for food. We're known for climate. What is Jason Collins' favorite movie? Oh, geez. Okay. All right. I don't want to hear anything. Uh, don't at me. Don't at me. <laughs> don't at me. My favorite movie is probably I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. Wow. The Waynes? The Waynes. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the first Waynes movies. Got it. Hilarious. Okay. You got uh, Jim Brown in there. <laughs> A football Some athletes, yes. Yeah. So you got Jim Brown, you got Isaac Hayes, you got uh, and one of the great names of any movie ever. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get you, sucker! <laughs> it is one of the funniest movies, and it is my favorite movie. Great. Yeah. What's your favorite meal 
in Sushi. Los Angeles. Um, Sushi. Sushi. I've seen you at Sugarfish. Yeah, right? Sugarfish. I like Sugarfish, but my favorite uh, Japanese restaurant is um, Summer Fish and Rice. Yeah, Summer Fish and Rice. It's on uh, Robertson. On Robertson. Yeah. So that's your spot. Yeah, that's my spot. Okay. Uh, I absolutely – That's. I go in there – I'm like uh, Norm from Cheers. <laughs> I probably just dated myself because like all the young kids are like, wait, who's yeah, that? I know Norm from Cheers. <laughs> yes, Norm yeah. from Cheers. Yeah, when I walk in there, it's like, hey, JC. I'm like, stool, hey, yes, yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, what's your favorite place in LA? Uh, any tennis court. And mm. if the tennis court has a view, that makes it all the better. But yeah. Tennis court with a view. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Lastly, mm-hmm. um, there are probably parents who may be listening to mm-hmm. this yeah. who may have a child who is discovering their own yeah. sexual orientation or mm-hmm. maybe their own gender identity or gender expression. Yes. Um, I work, as you know, with your mom. Yes. Your mom is a friend and a colleague and yeah. someone I greatly admire. Thank you. Um, She's amazing. <laughs> and I know she was supportive of you. Yeah. Um, what is your advice to parents um, who may have children who end up being different than they envisioned, maybe in this area, and uh, what what can they do to set an inclusive and welcoming tone and to support their kids? So sometimes you don't want to um, point blank ask someone, "Are you gay? Are you are you, you know are you lesbian? Are you gay? Are you transgender?" You know you mm-hmm. don't want to point, but you can send signals to them that you're going to be an ally, someone that's supportive. You can. Um, participate in a pride play you can support lgbtq organizations Mm -hmm. we have one of the best lgbtq community centers in all of the country la lgbt center Mm -hmm. Um, you can support a project um, or support them and and sort of let your child know that you're supporting that organization. For, yeah. I mean, you don't have to say why. You just like, hey, I'm, these are organizations that I support. Mm-hmm. And then your child's like, oh, okay, kind of thing. And I know yeah, where my my parents' values are. Exactly. Yeah. Like they'll, they'll be able to connect the dots, but you know, sort of, you got to signal um, to your child that uh, you're going to be an ally, and that you're going to be accepting, kind of thing. Because even even I, um, who know deep down that my parents will have my back even i was hesitant to come out yeah every you know it's very rare that you see a a child who uh steps forward without you know being having some sort of uh, fear yeah or you you can talk to your child about um a story in the news or something that you might see zaya zaya wade yeah you could talk to your child about that and say isn't that that's pretty cool, huh? Or yeah. let's you know see. Uh, there was a great video, Zaya and uh, and Dwayne. I think they're like in a golf cart and mm-hmm. talking about how life and like you sh- should be able to go through life and be authentic and be able to be yourself because um, life is short and it would be terrible to um, you know hide who you are. And unfortunately, I for thirty three years of my life hid who I was. Yeah, and my life is exponentially better <laughs> after coming something forward yeah well in the spirit of of taking leadership it mm. takes someone to be the first mm. and in the spirit of the ripples that get sent out mm. uh and the, the the people who president obama said you might be impacting that you you never meet mm-hmm. hopefully because of what you've done there are mm. kids and people elsewhere who are going to be able to live their truth and come out a bit sooner and 
live exponentially better lives. Yeah, I think uh, that's a little bit sooner. That's one of the responsibilities of being the first is to make sure you're not the last. And that's why I do the work that I do. Well said. Thank you, Jason. This has been the supporting cast. Thank you. Thank you.